Blog Talk Radio. Let's go. Let's go. What's up, NFL football fans, near and far? Welcome to another edition of Cover 2 with McMillan and Purdue, the show where we talk nothing but NFL football. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan, but I'm here at the roundtable with my partner in crime. we got Fred Purdue in the building. What up, Fred? What's going on, man? Draft day is – draft weekend is over. Um, yeah, we got a little bit of a, a little lull here, but no, it was a good weekend. Very good weekend. Yeah, definitely a good weekend, and there's some stuff from that weekend that we need to unpack. So everybody out there, that's what we're here to do. We're going to give our quick draft recaps. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys know, between Cover 2 and the War Room, all of my bloviating throughout the years, everybody knows that I'm not with the whole, you know, give people draft grades two days after a draft when it's going to take at least two to three years for you to really know what a draft class is hitting for, but we're going to do our part here. You know, we'll, we'll talk about on paper who did well, who didn't do so well and where a lot of the drama lies. So, you know, we're going to get right into it. Um, let's go division by division and kind of talk, you know, how we thought uh, teams did in those particular divisions right on the AFC side or the NFC side. We can start in the AFC. Uh, you know, the champ. We, let's start with the the champs. That well, let's you know, let's start certain, with the division can, of the Super Bowl champions. Then let's start with the AFC East. Um, God knows that that division is the one that needs the greatest drafts, so they can finally catch up to one team who's been dominating that division for the for the better part of two decades. Um, so, what are your thoughts on the halls of? the the quote-unquote competing teams in the AFC East. Anybody got a class that maybe one day will catch them up to the Patriots? Or is it just going to be the Patriots, you know, age? And, you know, I'm just get tired of stomping on the division. Is that what's going to finally, you know, slow that wrecking ball down? I think in any other year, at any other time, this division would have been a really good draft for all the teams in this division, whether it was the Dolphins, and we'll kind of get kind of get into it a little deeper. But you know, the Dolphins they went out and got Josh Rosen. That's a draft pick, essentially. Right. You know, you have Ed Oliver going very high in the first round uh, for the Bills. You have Quentin Williams getting drafted by the Jets. They those three teams smashed the draft, but the champs. You know, every single time. Bill Bel- you, you count Bill Belichick out and you say, okay, where's the quarterback going to come from? Where's the pass rusher going to come from? Guys aren't going to fall to him, and then they fall. Nikhil Harry, you, you don't have a wide receiver at Arizona State. You don't have any real receivers in New England right now. Chris Hogan's gone. Josh Gordon's suspended. Uh, Cordell Patterson, Patterson's gone. He wasn't really a factor. You have Philip Dorsett and an aging Julian Edelman who just won Super Bowl MVP. No Gronk. You would think this offense is in shambles. Nah, 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 nah. Hold on. 
So you go get Nikhil Harry, big, big, rangy, athletic receiver. Uh, I call him Mr. Screen. Uh, he, I mean, that's all he really did. But he goes up for the jump balls. He'll be the guy that'll be will help replace that void for Gronk. Uh, he'll go catch those fifty-fifty balls in the end zone. He'll catch those screens. He'll do all the things that you need from a yeah. The way the way that I've heard it hyped a lot. Tom Brady basically got himself his uh his Des Bryant. Like he, yeah, he's tough, yeah, makes tough catches, like you said, gonna go up and get those fifty fifty balls. Um, yeah, but I do think the Patriots, you know, they got very high grades for the ten selections that they were able to make. Um, the most for me, the most telling pick in all of this, I think what the two picks that really tell a lot about this team, Damian Harris, who you know if you listen to um, quick slant all year long the college football show you heard me say at some point uh, whether it was at the beginning of the season middle of the season late in the year I said Damian Harris Alabama running back is going to make somebody a very happy team when draft time comes not knowing that he would make my team very happy the Patriots what they did at the end of the year, schematically, they don't have an identity. You know, most teams, they say, have an identity. They don't, they don't really have an identity. Their identity is winning. And they, what they do is they adjust to the, their game plan to the team they're playing. So, for example, right. in the playoff run they made, uh, the Chargers, no linebackers on the field over 230. What do we do? We run the football. And we run the football early and often. Chiefs, no, running, no linebackers over 230. What do we do? We run the football. Teams don't figure it out. The Rams come out again in the Super Bowl. Nobody under over 230 to stop the run, and you get the ball pounded down your throat, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but it was old school football, and that's what the Patriots do. They but that's the, that's been the magic the of their play. That's been the magic of Bill Belichick and the and the um, Patriots throughout the years because they're very hard to game plan for because you can watch a bunch of film. But you uh-huh. really have no idea what they're going to come out and do. Like, we've seen the Patriots come out and be a pass-heavy team. Like you just said, we've seen them come out and have reasons to be a run-heavy team and became a run-heavy team. So they can switch it up on a dime and keep teams off balance. You, you could just watch film all week and come out in the game and have no clue what they're going to do. Um that's been the magic of, of Bill Belichick and the way he's been able to adjust for one and two, the way he's been able to keep his team balanced, not even with a lot of superstar names, but keep his team balanced enough to be able to switch the game plan up on a week to week basis. Recipe for success. Sounds easy, but it's not easy at all. Yeah. It it really, it sounds easier than it really is. Uh, right. For me, what I really like, also what I like, and I don't want to make this Patriots today or anything, so uh, I'll jump off of the champs. Just understand that in this, if it, this was another year, in any other year, they probably, the rest of this division would have been a really great year, but the champs happened to draft really well. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I really like what they did. Going out and getting Ed Oliver, the undersized defensive tackle for three years. I've said it for since he was a freshman. Uh, he'd be a first-round pick. That's what he was a first-round pick. He's undersized. The comparisons to Aaron Donald, I don't see it. He he has a hot and cold motor, but he'll do exactly what you need him to do. Push the pile. He'll gain a little weight. He'll be. He's not the Warren Sapp type. He's not the uh, the Aaron Donald type. I don't think he has the hands for it, but. 
he's just he can be when he when he wants to turn it on he's an energizer bunny and that's what you want you want a guy that's able to just push the pile create pressure create havoc and that's one of the one thing that if you're chasing the champs what does Tom Brady hate pressure in his face easy very easy but you also go out and protect the investment by you go out and get a tackle in Cody Ford who had the pleasure of protecting the number one overall pick in Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler, Kyler Murray. Now he's going to be protecting Josh Allen, who likes to play a very similar style where he, he, let, he had, what, 700 yards rushing this year. So you're going out of protecting a guy that likes to move around a lot. So that helps you out uh, on the offensive side of things. You go get Devin Singletary, a very good running back from uh, FAU. Uh, Dawson Knox will be a big help at tight end. So you, you answer a lot of those questions you have. Uh, Vashawn Joseph from Florida, linebacker. He'll be able to patrol the middle, help out Tremaine. So you have a ton of of early starters or contributors to a team that gave the Patriots some problems. And if you're the, – the goal is to win the division. So if I keep saying beat the Patriots, that's the ultimate goal right now is for these teams, beat the Patriots first, make the playoffs second, then we can talk about Super Bowl later. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to briefly get back to this whole Josh Rosen thing, man. I think I think this change of scenery is great for him. Um, Agreed. One of the top quarterbacks picked last year. At this point, you know, we could say he's too talented to be sitting behind a rookie quarterback for a non-playoff contending team like the Cardinals. So you know, you 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 move him over here, you give him another opportunity. Um, the Jets went out. And got him, so I'm pretty sure they're going to have some patience with him, unlike uh, the Cardinals did. So it's going to be good to see him in this new situation to see what he's going to be able to do. Um, but the team, in my opinion, that's you know, you know, they have more upside to me than the Cardinals at this very moment. So, um, so on you, Josh. So on you, Big Josh. Um, can can we put we it out on. there though? Okay. Can we put it out there about Josh Rose that he? There was no system fit. There was no – he didn't – it was like he didn't fit what Cliff Kingsbury wanted to do. Uh, Kyler Murray just brings a little bit of more of a, a, a dynamic of being able to extend plays uh, after things break down with an offensive line that isn't all that good. So, you you have a, a, move, a quarterback that can move around on and make every throw from every angle – Yes, right. calculated risk, but Josh Rosen could run that could run that offense with his eyes closed. It's just it's an offensive line thing. It's more of a scheme. It's more right. team and no, team which, and personnel. Thing. Which in my which in my opinion is better for him. I mean, we've seen talented quarterbacks come into the league, highly touted, got with either the wrong program or a program who had no offensive line. Every time we speak like this, um, David Carr comes to mind. You know what I'm saying? And it ruins you. Like David Carr probably had superstardom in his future. That team ruined him, man. He probably is sh- he probably still afraid to take a hit now. He probably wakes up, his <laughs> wife probably walks by him in the bedroom, he flinches. Like it, it ruined him. So this might, you know, in in the long run, this could be the best thing to happen for Josh Rosen. You know, he might have that chip on his shoulder that this team that he thinks his team didn't believe in him, but if he's able to, you know, be successful with the Dolphins, he can look back on that. And I guarantee you, if he becomes a Pro Bowl type quarterback with the Dolphins, that 
you'll always hear him in his speeches thank the Cardinals because it was the best thing that happened to me. It, it's coming. If he's if, successful, if you pay, that's coming. <laughs> if you pay attention to what, what the Dolphins are doing early, uh, Brian Flores, Patriots guy, defensive coordinator, so he's going to be called. He's worrying about the defense, but he also understands I need my guy, I need the flamethrower under center, uh, but very similar to the guy he just recently was calling calling plays against in practice, very similar to that Tom Brady guy in skill set and traits. So you can tell, you can see where the influence is coming from. All right, any, anything special from the Jets you wanted to say before we move on? Because we spent way too much time on yeah, your no, championship just, division. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The, the potential is there. Quinn and Williams, I'm really excited to see. Well, so, by the way, just a little nugget, actually. His brother actually got picked in the third at number 98. No one expected that out of Illinois. Just saying. All right. Well, let's move on to the AFC North. Let's go see what's happening in the North. What's, what's your highlights from the AFC North? Wow. The, uh, the North, man. Um, we can start with the Ravens and the Ravens are my, my key phrase for this one is all in. And I know uh, some other, other teams use this term all in one being the, the national champs in college, uh, the Clemson Tigers, they use that too. But this Ravens team is all in. They went out and they, they got, they got Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, cousin of uh, Antonio Brown. So you have that. You have him. He's the fat. He has such. He's so fast. He's yeah. He can take he's the top Deshaun fast. Deshaun. He's Deshaun uh, Jackson. No, nah, I'm not even. I'm not even. He he might be a little bit faster. I, I'm just. He has. He's so quick twitch. He's a smaller guy. He had Liz Frank surgery, so that's always worrisome, especially with a fast guy who needs to be on a fast surface. He needs to be able to uh, – he needs to be able to find space. But I and I, and I didn't think the fit was right. I thought maybe why not go get a bigger receiver like a DK Metcalf versus a smaller guy where you're having to throw him screens and beat balls. You could actually just throw it up to a DK Metcalf with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's uh, – his strength – is the short ball. It's the short dink and dunk pass. It's not the deep. It, the deep ball is where he really struggled. If you give him a guy who can give a go get a 50-50 ball, that makes his life a little bit easier, may help that percentage out. But this team is running the football, and that also is a big piece of it because smaller wide receivers don't block anybody. But when you have a big mammoth receiver like DK, who's 6'3", 6'4", 230, He's gonna seal the backside when that when that running back is taken off down the sideline. So you, to me, that was that was a head scratcher. It was like they drafted in reverse. I know they're trying to go after keep Lamar Jackson there for a while, but that'll be something I'll pay attention to. Miles Boykin, wide receiver Notre Dame was was a very interesting pick. They didn't have a quarterback at Notre Dame for a while, and now they do. He had an uptick in production with Ian Book, so that was great. Justice Hill is a great running back. Uh, so I'm interested to see how they integrate him into the offense. And Trace McSorley, Penn State quarterback, he they asked him to work out at safety too because that was a position he played in college uh, before he actually took over at quarterback. So now you have Lamar Jackson, Trace McSorley, and Robert Griffin III, all very similar dual threat run-first <laughs> quarterbacks 
who all are in the same room. So I, that's why I, where I get the whole all-in thing. So we bring it all back home. And by the way, if Trace McSorley just doesn't work in this in this uh, in this quarterback room, does he turn into your Eric Weddle? When Eric, Weddle, I mean, I'm just saying, does, where does this work out? Because right. you know this team wants to be fat. They want to be tough and physical. They don't want to throw the ball a lot. But um, I'm just gonna make a bold prediction and say three years from now, Lamar Jackson may not be a Raven. Wow. Well, <laughs> we will see about that. You know, all of this stuff will start to shake out around that time. So we'll see if Lamar can actually hold on to to what he's doing. Any other highlights in that division for you? Um, Jonah Williams tackle for the Bengals. Good pick. Very good pick. Um, Travion Williams was a pick that I running back from Texas A&M who had over 2,000 yards. I really, really like him. Uh, I think he'll have a chance to get a get some kind of a, a run now that Mark Walton's gone for uh, some myriad of reasons. Uh, pair him with Joe Mixon. That's a nice one-two punch. Uh, the Steelers went up and grabbed uh, Devin Bush. I, their defense hasn't been the same since uh, Ryan Shazier had that terrible injury. Uh, but he, I think he'll be able to fit there. I think they they spent a little too much uh, when it comes to trading up. You could have probably waited a little bit to get him. Um, and the Browns, yeah, the Browns. Yeah, let me repeat that one more time. The Browns, they killed it. They did it. They did everything right. Greedy Williams, they waited. A, a guy who was thought of as high as the number five in the draft, who I actually thought would be that number five pick to the to the Bucks. I thought the Bucks would be a little bit smarter, uh, but now you may just have the the, the best corner tandem in in the league with Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. But then they also come back. They get Sion Takaki uh, as well. I'm sorry, Taki Taki. Sorry, uh, I have to remember that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the weirder. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go with with that one. Uh, Red Redwine from Miami, very physical safety that can play uh, both safety positions. And they picked up also Matt Wilson, who was a very – he's going to turn out to be a really good linebacker for them uh, from Alabama. Uh, I've been pretty – I was pretty high on him. I think he should have uh, – I thought he should have came back for, for one more year, but he's no longer there. He felt like he needed to take care of his family, so he did what he had to do. Uh, but the Browns are quietly building a very good team. Very good team. Now, will they are. All, and Greedy. Will they turn into the Browns? Will they turn Greedy, back into the he, Browns or will they, you know? Greedy's fitting right in already, you know, with his mouth. Because, you know, the yeah, Browns, they, they got a little bit of talent last year. People started spouting off at the mouth. Um, that's what people need to realize. Like, sometimes it's organizational. So, even if you're on a, a loaded Browns team, you might want to take more of a humble approach because obviously this this organization as a whole has looked cursed for the better part of the last three decades or so. So it's like going there, show and prove. Like we don't need any more talking from the Browns. We're going to have enough pundits um, prior to the season starting, jumping on the bandwagon, you know, picking them to win that division. I'm sitting here thinking about it myself. By the time the season starts, we might be picking them to win the division. Who knows? But I think as a member of the team, you know, we love confidence. We love brash athletes. But on certain teams, like, just go out there and show and prove. You know what I'm saying? Because until further notice, you are the Browns. (laughs) We can call you the loaded Browns, but until further further notice, 
you are the Browns, and the Browns have a tendency to brown things up uh, year after year. Doesn't look like it's going to be like that now, but we shall see. All right, so let's move on. Oh, you want to comment on that real quick? Just, just, rem- just remember, anytime you have a huge collection of talent, uh, you got, you should know a little bit about this. It always, Train team. This is it. This is not the NBA where you can go put a an all-star team together and when one player goes down, they still oh we're, we're still mm-hmm. gonna probably run through everybody. You know it doesn't work like that. This is the ultimate team sport that one player if one player goes down, that's your whole season. So we'll shout out to uh, shout out to uh, the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles, the dream team, <laughs> where they win four games after all that talk. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Bums. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the uh, AFC West. And, of course, all eyes were on the Oakland, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Um, after the, the trades that they made to get these picks, you know, giving up arguably the best defensive player in the league. You know, there, there's an argument between him and maybe two other players. But after giving up Khalil Mack, getting some picks, I myself – praised them while everyone else was kind of criticizing them about making that trade in the first place. Cause I'm sitting here saying, okay, you know, you have one real tradable commodity. Sometimes you got to do that in the world to get more, you know, you get a, a nice plethora of picks and then you started out by reaching on your number one draft pick by taking Cleveland Farrell with the number four pick. A lot of people thought ah, he's not a top five player in this draft you got people like Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, Devin White. You know, all of those guys were still available when they made this pick. You, being the War Room's draft pundit and college football specialist, what did you think about Oakland's draft? And in particular, what did you think about Cleland Farrell at number four? Initial reaction, I said, oh, God, here the Raiders are doing exactly what I said they do. You'd have two people who, who used to do <laughs> the this Raiders on are TV browning it up. <laughs> yeah, I said this is. I'm like in my mind. I'm thinking this is not Madden. This is not some video game where guy you can take some guy and he just develops. No, it doesn't work that way. Then I thought about it and I said, well, you don't. You you give him. I, and I always say when, when I look at this, I always I try to not say what can't these guys do. What can they do? And when I thought about it, I said. Cleveland Farrell gives Arden Key a guy where he's not going to be doubled anymore. So you have two bookends now. So he can stuff the run too. He's not just a straight up pass rusher or specialist. So you have a, you have two bookends now. He's not these guys are not going to be Khalil Mack whatsoever. So forget getting the value back because you'll never get value back for that. But then you you kill it the rest of the way. Josh Jacobs running back. You replace Marshawn Lynch. He can be the pass catcher. He can be the runner between the tackles. He's fine there. Uh, Jonathan Abram at safety. He is a missile, and he will take your head off, but he can also cover down the field. Perfect. Travion Mullen, I think, was one of the, is a really good corner. So you now you have you have Gary and Conley. You have him as well. So now your corner situation is a little bit better. Uh, you also go out. You get uh, Isaiah Johnson, uh, another corner from Houston, very good corner. And we also – no draft is ever complete without making sure you get an 80-year-old wide receiver from a national championship team uh, in Hunter Renfro. I mean, I really feel like Hunter Renfro is like, like 40 at this point. He's, is he, I mean, he's been in college forever. 
I feel like he's been, he he's been in college since about 2011, but uh, he'll be able to give uh, Derek Carr a nice outlet if he can break that roster. Uh, he'll also help on special teams. So that I mean, because you don't really have a ton of talent, so he'll be that guy over the middle. And you know what those type of guys bring? They bring consistency. Yeah, I mean, to me, and and even from your opinion on the situation, it just seems like the Raiders were looking at the rosters currently constructed and trying to get fits when a lot of other people were thinking maybe they should take the best player available approach. So we'll see how it works out. You know, like some of these teams, some that we'll talk about a little bit later with some of their picks, like fans are so quick to react negatively to something that they didn't agree with. You know, in a few years, you know, fans might be clamoring for these guys, wearing their jerseys, chanting their names. You never know. We'll never know. But um, the Raiders, you know, the Raiders are actually still on the clock. <laughs> They're on the clock to, to to get better after all of the drama, you know, of trading Khalil Mack, um, getting rid of Cooper, uh, giving – even before that, giving John – giving Gruden all of this money, um, bringing in Mike Mayock. <laughs> sending the whole scouting staff home. Like, it's just so much surrounding this team. It's like they're on the clock to get better because they've taken a gamble in so many areas. But I can tell you this, a lot of Raiders fans, when they called that number four pick, were like, What the hell is that? <laughs> they, they, were, they were upset. Um, In Kansas City, do you get the idea that, you know, there was some just-in-case going on there? They just seemed like they were trying to, See if they can find uh, Tariq Hill's replacement <laughs> in this drive. Uh, I think they did. They were trying, and I think they did. Uh, Miko Hartman <laughs> was one of the players that I actually thought I was like, man, what if he ever fell? There are certain guys you're like, man, I would love to have him on my team. I don't know how he'll fit, but they'll we'll figure it out. Miko Hartman is one of those guys, one of the fastest guys in football. No one really talks about him because Riley Ridley was the guy. Uh, on the other side, and Georgia has is such a run-heavy team, but he is the Tyreek Hill clone, if you could ever do it. Uh, and, and I actually, what, the one thing I always say about Tyreek Hill is, with this Chiefs team, what I over the last probably two seasons, even with Alex Smith, I said, Tyreek Hill is like Steph Curry. He forces the whole defense to completely change. The spacing is different. The, the the attention is different. All eyes are on him, and if he's not there, boy, things are going to be different. And I think the whole league is a little bit happier today that Tyree Kill can't keep his hands to himself or is in some kind of trouble. Because and and no one wishes that. I, I say that jokingly, but you know, no one wants to see that. But you know, the NFL was. I mean, the Chiefs pretty much destroyed the NFL last year when it came to to their side of the the offensive side of the ball. So uh if the Chiefs can even get half of that production back, that's gonna be very, very good for them. Okay. Um and moving down to Denver, who a lot of people say may have had the best draft in this division. Of course we know in round one they took Noah Fant, uh tight end from Iowa. Um it, it, they had I believe Seven picks. Uh, no, they had one, two, three, four, five, six picks in this draft. Um, still, because of what they've been missing for the past few years, Drew Locke at 42 in round two, 
is still the star of this show. He's still the one that's going to get the most scrutiny out of this draft. Do you think John Elway finally found a, a franchise quarterback that they could, you know, home grow? Or do you see this playing out the same way everybody else has played out since John this Elway a, minus Peyton Manning? This is, a, this is a TBA type of thing because he's not going to start. That the, right. I mean, when I say he needs one to start – Flacco's the guy, and that's for me. That's going to be a great. This is going to be the way you you build a quarter, a young QB. You say Flacco, we're going to run you in the ground. We're going to we're going to build around you. We'll give you a tight end. Which Joe Flacco, out of all quarterbacks, he's the one guy they drafted eight tight ends for him in 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 Baltimore. That's how much they he loves the tight end. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just understand that you know this is what he this, you know what he is. So you let Drew Locke come in, who has a cannon for an arm, but needs a lot of refinement. Uh, you bring him in, let him develop. Uh, I don't know if Joe Flacco is the best guy to learn from, but hey, I mean, don't let it, don't throw him to the wolves just yet. And while you're doing it, make sure you draft a little bit on offense and give him a little help on defense. So by maybe year two, year three, everything looks good. This is the how you. This is how you draft a young quarterback and develop them. And John Elway, not only he, he hit there by getting, getting another, at least his guy that we think he's that guy, but now there's no expectation because you draft him in the second round because they stay true to their evaluation. They stay true to not overreaching for a guy because we know how, when quote, when you see one guy come off the board, two guys come off the board, teams get antsy, and they say, oh, I got to go get a guy instead of just waiting it out, playing and letting the, the cards fall where they may. You got Drew Locke at 42, and you didn't have to give up much. No doubt. Speaking of um, Joe Flacco, um, as you call him, the University of Delaware Flacco's, <laughs> University <laughs> of Delaware's next star is here, as you know. San Diego Chargers selected my favorite pick in the 2019 NFL draft. That's that's because, you know, it, it's a bias. I'm a friend of the family. Um, his Hall of Fame uncle gave the War Room one of the greatest interviews we've ever had. Um, but not just that. In addition to all of that, this kid is a baller. So in the second round at number pick number 60, the Chargers took Nasir Adderley from um, – University of Delaware. Uh, we talked a lot. I asked you a little bit about, you know, his scouting report from uh, on last week's show. So I mean, you don't necessarily have to give us the scouting report. Just just as a fit with this San Diego team, do you see, you know, do you see him with some major contributions in his rookie season? Definitely. Uh, I think he'll be an immediate plug and play starter. Uh, you give Derwin James a a defined role now. He's Derwin's the in the box safety. Nasir Adderley is your over the top Earl Thomas type safety. I'm not saying he's Earl Thomas, so don't go saying I said right. that. You know, how I, you know, you know how they run it. But they're saying he's going to do role, some of the same things that Earl yes. does. People, that's his role. Yes, we're not saying that's he's as good as Earl. We're not saying he's going to hit you as hard as Earl. We're not saying – you know what we're saying. People always, oh, you're so, preparing yeah. them down now. Like, calm down. Calm down. Uh, calm down. <laughs> Pump the brakes. But, you know, yeah, he's doing a lot of the same things. So now you have your free, you have your strong, 
your backside is fine. And then pers- personally, if I'm if I'm Gus Gus Bradley on the defensive side of the ball, bring the just bring the noise with uh, Derwin James at any point in time because now you don't have to worry about him being being out in coverage because. Now you have a guy over the top that can handle that responsibility. And you also get Jerry Tillery to help you out as a rotation guy on that defensive line. So to help out uh, Bosa and Ingram, also Mebane, if he comes back as well, that that's going to be a big – that defense might be a little bit better than people think. Okay. All right. I can't wait to see him suit up and play, man. I've been following the kid because, you know, I'm really close with his with his uncle. Um, not his great uncle, not the one that we, you know, Herb Adderley Hall of Famer, but his uh, uncle that I actually went to high school with myself. Um, I know his mom a little bit. Great family, man. Athletic family. Like I said, they already have one Hall of Famer. They got him. Um, he got some track stars in the family. So that Adderley family, man, they breed athletes. So this is just the next one up. So shout out to the family and shout out to to Nas and you know, I hope, hope you do your thing in the NFL, man. Hopefully we'll have him on soon so we can talk to him ourselves and get some, some perspective of uh, how he thinks his NFL transition will go. Let's move on over to the NFC. Let's start with the NFC East because there was a lot of drama the way, you left out in the, the NFC East. You left out the AFC South. You left out the AFC South. Just, just, I thought we did the South. We didn't do the South? I'm tripping. Nah, you, I'm tripping. You, you, you I'm tripping. Left First of all, I got to apologize to Nashville. I got to apologize to Nashville <laughs> because, you know, they, they hosted the damn thing. And then I, you know, tried to try to roll. I swore I, I could have sworn we talked about the AFC the South. All right, let's, 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 we got, we can't leave the AFC South out. And again, shout out to Nashville because of all the bigger cities that the draft has been in and, you know, now everybody's trying to outdo each other every single year. A lot of the people who were there, like I got to see it in Chicago. I didn't even go home to Philly when it was there, but I got firsthand accounts from, you know, a lot of people who were there. So I know for sure that those two cities did it well in the past few years, but I'm hearing 300,000 people. <laughs> I'm hearing Nashville did the thing. Um, notice how I left out Dallas. But anyway, um, <laughs> Nash, hey, I, 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 heard, I heard it was great. A lot of the bachelorettes who were in town for their bachelorette events weren't too happy about it. I didn't even know that be Nashville right. had become the bachelorette party um, capital of, of America. Um, but throughout the draft, you know, I learned that and I learned that there were a lot of women there upset that their whole thing was being out, you know, upstaged by the NFL. But hey, they, when you they, schedule something, got you got to know what's going NFL on in the city, Coachella. right? Yeah, like, I how, know. Man. How do you not know what's going on in the city when you schedule something that big? You have to know what's going on in the city. You, you <laughs> know, it's, it's it's gotten to the point where when you have three hundred thousand people at an event and on day three when it's fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, you still got a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand people. It's been it's been coined the NFL Coachella now. I don't, I don't want to go I don't I don't go that far but if it's that bad if it's that we've arrived we've arrived at this point yeah. it's crazy though it's crazy that you know you could just get that many people to stand outside for like 3 days while just people in the pouring rain by the way selected multiple times. right while people it are just being selected 
I mean, I'm not gonna front like that's all there is because they do, you know, the surroundings are great. It's a great party atmosphere. When I was in Chicago, they made, um, I believe it was Grant Park. They just made it into Draft Town, so you could just walk around um, doing all kinds of things. You could, of course, you can eat. Of course, they had the pop up uh, fan shop. Um, they have interactive stuff. You can go run around and play a little bit of football. They had meet and greets with uh, some NFL players. I met Golden Tate there. Um, so, so it's a lot to do. You know, of course, they always have the Lombardi trophy on display somewhere in the, the whole city, especially if they have some. You know, they put all of theirs on display. Chicago did that while I was there. So it's a great atmosphere. It's a great atmosphere. All right, so real quick, AFC South, so we can move on to this drama of the NFC. Um, what's your highlights in the, in the South? Uh, the Houston Texans, they drafted length and size. Titus Howard, I, I told you guys uh, on uh, Thursday, I said Titus Howard is going to be a, a pick that you're going to really want to watch out for. Alabama State offensive tackle. Uh, you got to protect the investment. They took him at number 23. Kentucky uh, corner, Lonnie Johnson. He's a long, long arm corner. Uh, he's, he's probably one of the best press corners in the country. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just I, – Kentucky would never – they played him in off-ball coverage for, like, the majority of the season, and I don't understand it. But, hey, we don't have to worry about that anymore. He's going to be there in, in Houston doing his thing. Uh, also, when I think of the Colts, uh, you look at defense. Rock your sin. I said it early and I said it again. Uh, the Colts are going to be a problem in the AFC. So, yeah, I, I just had to deal with Pat Mahomes. Now i got to deal with Andrew Luck again. Just can't. I just can't have it easy. Just, <laughs> just give me one easy year, please. Uh, but you know the Colts. What they did is they 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 have all of this 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 free agent capital. Now they're adding on. They're adding in track guys like Paris Campbell later in the draft. So now you have you give him weapons. You've gone out and gotten guys uh, like EJ Speed at linebacker. So you have weapons, and then you have guys that can help defend. Uh, this division is going to be very, very tough. When I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you look at guys like Ja'Kai Polite that they got. He, he's not a – he's one of those guys that really – he fell because of weight issues. He fell because of discipline issues. And you know how the NFL is very finicky about things like that. They always – they look for every little thing they can to bump a guy down. Uh, but Jacksonville also they stayed true to their guns. They went and got, uh, they went and got who they got. So it, it, this division is not terrible. Uh, Tennessee still has a lot of room to grow. Um, I, I want to see what I, I still say. Jacksonville's class is is probably it's, they're in contention with with Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis might have a chance at making a run at the Super Bowl this year. They built a. They quietly built a team. We thought this team was dead in the water and probably one of the worst teams in the in the league. But this team might have a chance to challenge New England and Kansas City for the in uh, in the AFC. All right, we shall see. Any more uh, South highlights? I know people uh, are trying to rush off the South. But hey. <laughs> uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, I'm sorry, and this has nothing to do with drafting players, but. If you if the if the commissioner asks you to come up and speak to your home to your the town you play in and all you have to say is let's go Titans, 
Man, man, that's just no. that's just volume. Well, I know they, he's not they, a rah rah guy, but come on. I'm about to say they they knew his personality before they tried to trot him out there. That's on them. <laughs> Marcus Mariota is a boring dude. <laughs> that's what it is, man. All right, man. We love you, South, but let's move on. We got to move on to the drama. We don't want to hold you guys here all day um, with this particular episode. Um, the NFC East, uh, by all accounts, most of the teams in the division were thought to have a, a pretty good draft. The drama came with the New York Giants passing up on Daniel Haskins. I'm, I'm sorry, on um, um, you just made Haskins a whole new player. <laughs> I know. I tried to. I tried to meld them together. That's what the Giants are probably hoping as well. But they um. They uh, passed up on Haskins at six to pick Daniel Jones from Duke. Uh, the Giants fans were livid. Uh, most pundits didn't really understand it because, see, you know, being as though this team had another pick at 17, a lot of people felt even if that's your guy, you could have gotten him at 17 and gotten, you know, another contributor, a better contributor with that number six pick. Of course, Haskins dropped down the board and went to a division rival in the Washington professional football team. So everyone's praising the value that they got at that particular pick. So it's been a lot of drama surrounding that situation. What are your thoughts on the move that the Giants made and the prospects of Daniel Jones moving forward? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this one's bad. Real bad. Cannot play with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I'd rather go down the field with them. It's 10 guys. 10 guys that make decisions like this that'll hurt the team. Yeah, I'm quoting Mike Singletary on this one because that's how I feel about this pick. Daniel Jones was not a first-round talent. Daniel Jones was maybe a third, a mid to late third, maybe. Maybe, and that's being generous. I mean... If you if all the connection, I get it. The connection is is uh, the Eli Manning comparison, which I'm like, if that's the best you want in the NFL now, that's not saying much. And you know, you get you get the the head coach, the Duke coach comparison. Oh, he coached the Mannings. Okay, cool. Cut clip. He 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 coached both Mannings. Cool. That's great. But what do we? How does that help you? Uh, when you have Ryan Day, who runs an NFL offense, who has an NFL-style quarterback, and who put up better numbers with a track team of guys who really couldn't catch a football but were a track team at Ohio State, and you put up 50-plus touchdowns, very few interceptions, and he's not the most mobile guy. He's your classic drop-back passer that you want. He's the guy you want, not Daniel Jones. What are you doing? I mean, I remember watching Daniel Jones against Miami, and he makes a throw to specifically – when you remember specific bad moments about a quarterback, that's never a good thing. I mean, Miami struggled badly on on the offensive side, but defensively that team's one of the best teams in the country. And quite honestly, they, they locked Daniel Jones up multiple times, and he made terrible decisions. And you wonder why teams like the Giants have had trouble. They've only made the playoffs once since winning a Super Bowl in 2012. And they're just continuously struggling. Struggling. This has nothing to do with Odell Beckham Jr. 
It has more to do with the bad decisions being made, like drafting a running back in a quarterback-friendly draft last year, right. and then drafting a quarterback that is a uh, in, uh, then for reaching for a quarterback the next year. Yeah, you're reaching <laughs> for a guy that you didn't have to reach for. What did you do? You had the pick to get whatever quarterback you wanted. You took a running back, and then you the next season you end up reaching for a quarterback, and then giving that quarterback that you probably should have drafted um, away to a division rival. Um, yeah, it looks bad for them now. Well, we don't yeah. know how it's going to play out. We all know, you know, sometimes these things shake out a different way. Daniel Jones might end up being a damn Hall of Famer, and all will be right in New York. But there's a lot of other stuff going around with this particular pick. Um, tell me if you if you put any stock into this. I try not to think this deeply, but there's a lot of people I, I thinking that there were some. I know where you're going. Yeah, there, I know where you're going. People thinking there's some some <laughs> racial overturn, overtones with this whole pick. Um, because if you look back in history, the Giants never, except for one week, when the coach, probably against everybody's will, you know, decided to bench Eli Manning and stop his, uh his magnificent streak that he had going. But besides Geno Smith playing for one week, starting for one week, the Giants have never had a black starting quarterback. You know, I never thought about it in that way. Like I never looked at it like they were trying to just totally avoid them. But people, you know, as soon as this happened, people were making that assessment as if this talk had been out there before. I tell you, I'd never heard of it before. So you, do you put any credence in that? Or was I don't necessarily put any, I don't put any credence credence in it because if you really think about it, most starting quarterbacks, if you just think about who they've had over the years, most quarterbacks stay around for five to ten years. So you're over over a fifty year span. You're getting you're not getting that many quarterbacks if you keep to that. If you stay anywhere between five and ten years, and let's say you have consistency you're not really going to have that many guys starting for you. Um, I don't see where there's any racial things there. I just think that's a bad decision-making, especially when you have – and we know how the stigma is with quarterbacks. Uh, the, the, running quarter, the, the running black quarterback is considered the guy that doesn't have to think as much. But when you're the drop-back passer and you're not as athletic, you're not as mobile, you have to think a little more. I would hope NFL GMs don't see that as much anymore, especially in a simplified quarterback room nowadays. But The crazy um, part about it, though, if you look at this situation, Dwayne Haskins is the drop-back and Daniel Jones is the more mobile of the two. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't – I would hope there's no bot, no, no racial – uh, no racial issues there. Uh, you just never know. And especially this is the crazy part is you're talking about the racial issues, and then he goes to the team with the racially racially charged name. But hey, right. I mean, this is oh well. Daniel Snyder don't, don't care. He'll get him some nice strong bucks. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's just gonna disrespect you know whole ethnicities in the in the process. But he he don't mind getting some some nice strong bucks to to do what they got to do in Washington. I think Washington had one of the best uh, drafts out there on paper. Like we said in the open, you don't really know this stuff for some years down the road, but for what they have been, what they are, what they need, what they needed, 
seems like they did pretty well. I personally, I think I was in sort of a minority. I kind of thought Dwayne Haskins was a little bit overrated um, coming into the draft. Now, that would have been like that six pick. Like, I kind of think number six might have been a reach for both of these quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, but he's a good value pick down at number 15 where they got him. So, you know, if they can not Washington him up and mess him up, <laughs> it, it could be a, a, a very good value pick for them. And I think that's, that's the conversation I was having with a Washington fan the other day. And this is before they even made the pick. This was in a forum where I was basically trying to comfort a Giants fan friend of mine. Like, ah, oh, man, it's okay. I thought dude was a little overrated anyway. Gave him my reasons um, for it. And the Washington fan, because they knew since he was on the board that they wanted him really badly, came to his defense. So we got into that whole thing. And you know how people, Fred, they don't really, they can't decipher the difference sometimes. Overrated doesn't mean that you don't think someone is good. That's not what that means at all. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people it's might a little misconstrue the definition of it. So when blood, people say it. Yeah. I'm saying a lot of people say it and they mean it in a, in such a negative connotation that when you're just yeah. using it of how the pure meaning is supposed we're to just, be used in people. Yeah, don't we're just saying I wouldn't take him at six. I'd take him at fifteen right. all I, day, but I'm not taking him. I, I just thought he was overrated. Now, if yeah, I would have been like, if I would have been stressing on him being overrated after they made that pick at fifteen, then I would have just looked like a, a a Washington hater there. But this conversation took place. Way before they got him. And then when they ended up getting him, I congratulated the dude and everything. Said, you got the guy y'all wanted. Now, you know, let's see what he's going to do. So, um, you know, you know what I said when I when I saw this pick go across the ticker? I said, um, Washington just got rookie of the year. I mean, because if you really think about it, there was a run on defensive players to start. Kyler Murray is going to be on a bad team with nobody to throw to if, the receivers in Washington even are half decent between the running game because the Washington was on the brink of making the playoffs with the team they had before Alex Smith just destroyed his leg. And before that, they were on they were in route to the playoffs. This it's not like this team's a bad team. They got a solid hmm. offensive line. Well, well, we go we draft by slow. Don't forget, this team likes to blow. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they like to yeah. collapse second half whether they get injuries or not. It's been a thing. Even when they make yeah. the playoffs, it's a tale of two halves. Like hey, 2012, but, but that, the, the season that they will off. always go back to. They started three and six and then ran off seven straight at the end to make it to the playoffs. So it's always a tale of two halves yeah. of this team. So exactly. You never know. All bet, see, all bets are off for teams. Once they For a team that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs or they get close, all bets are off when you get to the, you get to that last those last couple games where you actually get in. That's all you want to do is make it to the dance. If you make it to the dance, we can we'll figure that out later. And I think with them, they if Darius Geist comes back, Bryce Love is anywhere near what we thought he was a couple of years ago, where he's just there. He's the change of pace back. They have, I mean, Ross Ross Pierce Walker. He's going to be a solid starter on their offensive line. So they it, it's the receivers that are going to be that's going to be the thing that they're going to need. So maybe maybe have. Maybe next year, maybe a Jerry Judy is in their future, and Dwayne Haskins has a has a guy. Terry McLaurin is going to be a guy that they're going to really like uh, at receiver. He's the, the other guy on the other side of uh, Paris Campbell. He's the guy that 
he'll help you on special teams, but he'll also be able to be a solid contributor on that offense. So the, that team, Washington had a decent haul. I, I can't be too upset with them. Yeah, exactly. Joe Theismann, the one the one thing I didn't get was Joe Theismann was like, oh yeah, you guys, he, he I guess he can have my number seven. Like, dude, you weren't even the best quarterback on, in your team's history. You're known for getting yeah. your leg he broken by is. the greatest defensive player <laughs> of all. Time. I was say, he thinks he is. You ask some of their fans, they probably think he is. I, he he always struck me as, you know, <laughs> seeming to think he's more important in the big larger scheme of things in the NFL than he really is. I don't I don't even but, associate I don't even associate him with being good. I think of I think of yeah. Doug Williams and Sonny Jurgensen before I think nah, of I mean he was their guy. And see Doug Williams see, we all all black people think of Doug Williams. But Doug Williams in essence was a backup with the Reds with the Washington yeah, team. So he he was a backup. He 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 had a Nick Foles situation pretty much. Um quarterback went down late in the season. Doug Williams came in led them through the playoffs and had a hell of a Super Bowl. He's he's the black Nick Foles. Um didn't do much in the NFL after that. So, you know. So Doug Williams might he might be one of those people that goes down a little bit in history as a little bit overrated. But he's our guy. He was the first one of us to go ahead and do that. So we're always gonna hold him in a higher esteem. Shout out to my Eagles. Um, we made some good selections. I think we made some surprising selections. The fact that we went offense with the first three picks, um, knowing what we kind of need on the defensive end, but they're going to try to finagle that through I love you know, those acquisitions. Picks, though. Yeah, we definitely needed that, that replacement, uh, eventual replacement for, uh, Peters. And we got that in Andre Dillard. Um, they're thinking he can even, you know, Peters might even extend his career, now, if Dillard works out, because they're thinking they Dillard can move Peters right eventually to left guard. No, because you know you got Lane Johnson on the right side. They're thinking oh, Peters yeah, will move into yeah, left true. guard Very to true. extend his career for another two years. Um, if Dillard can lock down the left tackle, not not this season, probably you know the season after, um, get the get the youngins' feet wet a little bit. It's, cr- it's crazy a, to think a, that. It's crazy mm. to think Lane Johnson was was drafted to take over for Peters. He's stuck at the right side because Peters extended his career, and now they're going to try right. to extend his career again. Some more. I, I mean, I really wouldn't be surprised. Move him inside move to Peters maul some inside. people at guard. Yeah, <laughs> move him inside. Move, move Lane Johnson to the left side, put Andre Dillard on the right side, and see how that works. And, yeah. and because we, you have interchangeable pieces. And you, you guys still have um, Vitae, too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Still got Big B backing up. Um, we still got the project, the the, the rugby dude <laughs> sitting in the wings. Um, in the in the second round, we had two picks. We went Miles Sanders, running back, Penn State. Deuce Staley, a running back's coach, is very excited about that acquisition. I really like um, Miles Sanders. He's, the running he's back not- committee should be pretty good this year with Howard, um, Sanders, and then you still got guys like Clement, uh, Smallwood, Josh Adams. It's gonna be a fight for for you know for that last roster spot. They're gonna have a nice running back room um, in Philadelphia. No straight up superstars, but a very nice running back room, which I think is all you need in in today's football. And I'm sure you can agree with that with that statement. Um, yeah. And then 
with the second pick in the second round and went J.J. Arcega from uh, Arcega Whiteside from Stanford. Another big red zone target. Um, I think the Eagles are all about, you know, erasing those demons of the past. I mean, in Carson Wentz's second year, you know, the Super Bowl year, they they were beastly in the in the red zone. Last season, it wasn't as good as it was then, but you still had, you know, you had weapons. You had Alshon down there who can go up and get, uh, he can go up and get a ball. He can box out. You got Dallas Goddard, who you bought in for his hands and what he can do in the red zone. You got Zach Ertz, you know what he can do uh, down in, in the red zone. And now you got another guy with a basketball background who literally on his draft highlight film was boxing people out in the end zone to get, to get footballs. So. Yeah, that's it. That's his skill. He's the he's the he's the he's the Jimmy Graham type uh, receiver tight. Here's the thing I've I've found to be crazy. Now tight ends are you know they call them two way tight ends. They call them um, you even you see this this hybrid idea. I've even looked. I started looking at receivers now. You look at the bigger you you have your Julio Jones type. You're your crazy, freakish, athletic 6'3 guys. You have your small Hollywood Brown type. But then you have these really big tight end-like receivers. They're, they're, they're really not tight ends. They're not really receivers. They're just, they're, really, they're just hybrids that don't really have a position. And you just say, okay, that's just my jump ball receiver. That's my 50-50 ball guy. And right. the, the, thing, the thing that's going to really happen, help these guys is that they have those receiver abilities so they get listed as receivers so when it comes time they get paid you don't have Jimmy Graham's problems where oh well I'm really a receiver but they list me at tight end because I'm not blocking a soul but they're a mismatch when I talk about when you talk about putting this guy you can't put a safety on him you can't put a corner on him you dang sure can't put a linebacker on him so what happens when you split three receivers out to one side and just put that put J.J. Arcega white side to, to one side on a smallest corner because that's what's in that division, smallest corners, then what? Right, right. So we'll see how that ends up uh, playing out. Then you had the Dallas Cowboys. Um, uh, they didn't get a pick until round two. They got defensive tackle Tristan Hill. Um, they went back to the offensive line in the third round with Connor McGovern, uh, running back Tony Pollard in the fourth. And then they got, you know, some people from the, the Jackson family, Michael and his dad in the fifth round, uh, Michael Jackson and Joe Jackson. <laughs> so the, the the Cowboys, you know, had a, a pretty nice haul. I think everybody in the division had a, a pretty nice haul. The Giants and Gettleman are the only ones that are kind of on paper and because of some of the decisions they made are a little bit on the hot seat. But, you know, as the thing starts to unfold and everything starts to unravel, we'll kind of see where his head was and we'll see if they can make it work. So let's let's move on because we don't have a lot of time remaining. Um, let's go to the NFC North. Any highlights for you in the NFC North? NFC North, man. Uh, I, when I thought of – when I think of this this division, I thought – maybe go help Aaron Rodgers out a little bit. I mean, you go defense early and often. Um, that was very much of a, a very much a head scratcher. Why not go and get somebody to replace uh, Randall Cobb? Didn't see that being an issue, but I guess for me, when, when you look at 
how this team is being built, you, you see that you lose safeties like Ha Ha Clinton Dick, so you need to go and get some guys to replace people. But that was one of the head scratchers that I saw in that division. The Bears completely destroyed it. Uh, I really, I really like Riley Ridley. He could have been a, a second round uh, pick. He could have easily been one of those guys. Um, also, David Montgomery. I wasn't. I'm. I'm kind of torn on him because I'm not sure. He fits that team, but I didn't think he should. I probably you could have waited on him maybe a little bit. Uh, that would have been a, as far as the Bears are concerned. Uh, you never will get the actual, uh, and you get Khalil Mack. Essentially, you spend a first round pick on Khalil Mack. So I would get. I you have to grade that team out pretty well. Uh, the Lions got T.J. Uh, Hawkinson, the guy I wanted to replace Gronk. Uh, Matthew Stafford has a guy he can throw to over the middle now. That'll be great for him. Uh, Austin Bryant, the other the, the the forgotten guy on the Clemson D line, he went he went with the 117th pick. Not a bad not a bad haul for this for Matt Patricia, who's building a defense over in Detroit. So we'll see how that turns out. I, I mean, there I really don't think they're a playoff team or anything. So you're gonna have to wait on that for a little bit. Um, yeah, Vikings with their number round number one Yeah, they went offensive line, which they should have. I think that, you know that was the weakness of their team that was yeah, you know considered a contender when the season started. Specifically yeah. up the middle. So Garrett and Garrett Bradbury, I he there are very few guys that I've targeted and I said, man, I want him or I want that guy on my team. Garrett Bradbury was one of about four or five guys. I said, if, if the Patriots don't go tight end or if they don't get this guy or they don't get that guy, that's who I want. Uh, he's one of those. Uh, Irv Smith is going to be one of those. Is is a very is a his comp for me would have been um, Jordan Reed, a healthy version. So if you get that at all, that's going to be really good for for them, especially with Kyle Rudolph no longer with the team. Um, so that'll be something. And Dylan Mitchell is a guy that you may want to watch out for from Oregon wide receiver at 239. He's going to be a player that you're really, really going to want to watch later on, maybe maybe two, three years down the road if he sticks. All right. So let's go to the NFC South. I'm not going to forget the South this time. Um, I, I think a lot of people expected Carolina to – go into the draft thinking weapons for Cam Newton. Um, they didn't get a wide receiver until the seventh round. Um, so it's looking like <laughs> Torrey Smith, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore are going to be their top wideouts going into next season. Um, not really sure about that, even though Christian McCaffrey is out there looking like the Hulk now. So, you know, he's going to step it up. <laughs> That's what it looks like. But what, what did you think about – Carolina's quote-unquote draft strategy and not actually going with, you know, anybody to help Cam out. But in the third well, round, drafting a quarterback. His, his replacement. <laughs> I, I don't want to call him his replacement, but his p- potential oh. replacement or at very least insurance if Cam has injury problems again. Um, I think a bad – like, see, that's the thing, though. You call you know the word replacement kind of makes more sense because if you just need an insurance, there's plenty of good veteran backups out there that you can acquire. You know what I'm saying? 
but to go draft one, especially when you needed all of these other, you know, other needs like Greg Olson um, needs a, a successor. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't really get their strategy. So what are your thoughts? So let's start with, and, and we're going to do this in a bit of in reverse. Uh, so Will Greer was drafted with the 100th pick in the third round. So um, I'm just going to put this out there. Cam Newton's turned 30. He's also been banged up. Not he. This is his second shoulder surgery in like three years. And by the way, he's taken a ton of like just he's taken a beating over his career. And this is he's going into the last year of his his last big deal. If I'm Carolina, do I cut bait? Especially after because you know these while these are sports teams, they're still businesses, and businesses know how to play to their consumer. Consumer, hey, I have a hey, Mister, hey, consumer, hey, fan. By the way, we're drafting a hometown guy in uh, Will Greer who comes from North, from that Charlotte area. So you drafted a guy who was a local kid. He doesn't have. He may get a chance to play. He has some success. Makes people forget about Cam Newton. Cam Newton moves on. Maybe destroys them a couple times for doing the stupidest thing in the world for at least the next five years. And all the while, you still go draft in the first round. In the first round, you go out and get Brian Burns, who I mean, I thought he. Need I don't think they'll use him right because he fits more of a three four type of team where they're dropping him. He's the he's he's essentially Anthony Barr. If you really want a nice comparison, that's what he is. And they're only going to use him as a, as a down lineman rushing the passer. Greg Little's soft, and I, and I hate saying that about a big tackle, but he's soft. Uh, he's not going to help you much as far as that is concerned. So and I don't ever you know I don't ever go that far, but Greg Little's kind of soft. Uh, sorry, Greg Little, but and I actually thought he had a chance of being one of those guys. I thought he had, I thought it when I, he came out of high school. I said he might be a Laramie Tunsil 2.0, but no, not at all. So um, okay. this was this this draft has not been kind to the Carolina Panthers. All right, and other teams in the division, the, the Falcons and Saints both go offensive line with their early picks. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers go Devin White, linebacker, LSU, with the uh, fifth overall pick in the draft. How do you think these three teams fared? Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll start with this one. I had a little bit of insight on that one. Um, Are they ever going to get better? The, uh, uh, <laughs> they they actually did some smart things. Uh, Sean Bunting actually had a chance to talk to, to some folks on the inside of that organization. They really liked him early. Um, I actually really liked him early as well. Didn't think he was – I didn't think they'd get a chance to get to him, but they did. He's going to be one of those in-the-box safeties that he's going to really be able to contribute early and often. I Devin White was the right pick uh, for what, they, what they're trying to do. It wouldn't have been my pick. Right pick for them. Uh, he, they need a quarterback of their defense. I feel like they needed a, a legit corner to help that secondary. They didn't go get that. Um, Terry Beckner Jr. is going to be a guy that if he can stay healthy, uh, who was drafted with the 215th pick, he's going to be a guy to really watch. Injuries just kind of ravaged his career early on, and but he was the number one player in the country coming out of high school for a reason, so we'll see. 
the Falcons, they went out and got two tackles. That's really good. You go out and go get two offensive linemen to help out Matt Ryan, who got beat up a lot early last year. So help that's help your aging quarterback. <laughs> yes. Go make sure you do that. The Saints really helped their draft out. Uh, you, you got Eric McCoy at center, really good pick in the second round. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson helped help out that secondary at safety. Uh, on Hampton. Then you also then you also go get um, Notre Dame tight end Alize Mack. Uh, we these names we, we we know how many of these parents <laughs> came grew up in the nineties. Just saying, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, those are that, that was a pretty good pick as well. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was <laughs> Moet Mack Alize Mack. Hey, I'm, All right, I'm so, telling you, man. So yeah, that was a pretty good draft for them as well. All right, so let's go to. Our last but not least, the NFC West division. Um, what are your highlights there? Of course, I guess we could start with the Cardinals um, finally making that that trade. Um, of course, they picked uh, with the number one pick in the draft, they picked Kyler Murray. So because they had Kyler Murray now, they had to get rid of Josh Rosen. Um, so they ended up doing that. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals Hall? Not just the players that they got, but the, you know the trades that they made. What do you think about that? Kyler, the Kyler Murray situation was great. Byron Murphy was great as well. Uh, so uh, for at corner, but that that was a, it was a decent move. I think they made a lateral move essentially. You you traded you traded to, you have two guys that can both run the system. One's just a bit more athletic. One's a bit more on the sh- on the shorter side. So we'll. I mean, this is a, a true wait and see situation. Your head coach and your quarterback are tied at the hip now. This man said, I, I drafted him with the number one overall pick a year a year beforehand. Well, he got his wish, so we'll definitely see. Byron Murphy was the second-best corner in this class. Uh, he paired him with Patrick Peterson, who may be out, on the way out the door. Give New England a call, Patrick, you'll, if you ever want to win something. Just saying. Andy Isabella, he was one of those guys. I wish he would have went to – he didn't end up on this team. His career is going to be stunted. His growth will be stunted by playing for a bad team like this. Should have ended up in um, either like New England or uh, he would have been a great fit in in New Orleans. Shorter, faster guy. Um, Zach Allen, defensive end from Boston College, was another guy that really helped them out. They actually had a pretty decent class. That was a as far as guys that can really just contribute. Hakeem Butler is going to be that fifty-fifty guy. Uh, he'll he'll probably drop one in one or one out of four, but he'll be the guy that really makes some highlight plays, some splash plays for them. Uh, Arizona had a pretty good class. Okay. And then we move on to the Rams. Uh, Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp, Washington safety. That secondary has been good regardless of the names. Uh, It's just rinse and repeat uh, as far as those guys are concerned. Uh, Daryl Henderson, he'll add some pop to that run game, a change of pace uh, to help Todd Gurley out. Lord knows he needs some help after uh, I, I feel like I got cheated not getting getting a chance to see him on the biggest stage perform at his best. So that and David Edwards, Wisconsin tackle will be one of those guys that'll help that offensive line out uh, as he develops later on. Right. Oh, and uh, last chance you, we got a last chance you update. Uh, my guy Dakota Allen, linebacker, uh, who was on the first couple seasons when they were at East Mississippi. Community right. college, he ended up with the Rams. 
uh, in the late rounds at, at 251. I'm rooting for him. I really am. Because if you know his story yeah, and you know how hard he goes, to, to, he did how hard he went to get back where he wanted to be, uh, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, same here. Same here. Same here. Um, and then the 49ers, how do you think they did? You know, everybody knows with their uh, first pick, which was the uh, second pick overall in the draft, right? They uh, went yeah, with yeah. Um, David Duke. I mean, um, <laughs> Nick Bosa. <laughs> I hate the pick. I Bosa. hate the pick. I hate the pick only because of who he is now. Because we know how I felt about him in the beginning, and then you find out what he says and who he is, and it's like, I want to <laughs> like you, but I can't. So. Uh, I actually posed the question to the friend of the of the of the war room, Jamel Hill. I said, "You're a 49ers fan. How do you feel? What happens if he gets a game winning sack that gets you in the playoffs, or something happens down the way right. down the way when you hear the Super Bowl and he gets you cheering for the strip sack to win the Super Bowl? Or are you saying, nah, fam, we good.'" <laughs> it's crazy that he's going to such a liberal city in San Francisco. Um, it's going to be interesting to see his his you know, his public persona there, and if he can really keep his mouth shut and keep his politics out of the news like he says he's going to do. Um, yeah, this is the same franchise that, you know, let Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed walk, and then they pick yeah, up exactly. the, the yeah, head Klansman. Really cool. <laughs> interesting, interesting that's to say the least. Very that. interesting. But how else did they do in this drive? Uh, also, for me, when I look at Debo Samuel, they need the help on the outside. Uh, more also, more parents from the nineties. Punter early, best punter in the draft. But the guy, Very, is, the guy that I more parents from the nineties. Uh, Fred, you name your kid Debo. You were a Friday fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, Jalen Hurd, he's to me, he he could be Le'Veon Bell. He really could because. The way they use him, he was a running back at Tennessee. He transferred to Baylor. They moved him to receiver. He's about six two ish, like maybe two fifteen ish. He's a big guy, but you can move him and use him in different ways. I hope the Forty ers use him properly. Don't just put him at receiver and leave him there. Go use him at running back. He can. He gave you a thousand yards in the SEC. If you can do that, you can be a running back in this league. And I really, he's one of the versatility is one of those things that a lot of coaches value. And if you can use him, he can be another receiver. You don't have to go sign another receiver to fill that void, that back end of the roster void. All right. Let's see how the how they do it. Um, Seahawks, last but not least. And say that I couldn't say that one more time? No, I'm saying the – Overall, how did you think the the Seahawks did? Seahawks, they did well. Um, uh, LJ Collier didn't expect him to go that high uh, early on. DK Metcalf going to them was huge. I really didn't expect him to fall that soon. We just – when you saw the numbers that you saw with with his combine numbers, I said, man, this is going to be a problem. Uh, but he gives he gives Russell Wilson an option, especially now with Doug Baldwin possibly having career-ending injuries. 
this is another way of helping him develop. So Russell's got got paid. He got his receiver. Hopefully it's not addition by subtraction. And the Seahawks, they have a good running game, a good offensive line. Maybe this will be a little bit of a resurgence to the way it used to be in Seattle. All right, so that's everybody. That's all the divisions. Um, we got a couple of minutes before we get out of here. Do you have – like what are your absolute – highlights of the draft what was the the best storylines for you best storyline that the Haskins Jones is going to be very very interesting because that's going to be your division for the next couple of years that's probably the number one thing I'm just really going to be paying attention to and wow. number two the the AFC East well while I'm hoping while I'm hoping they both flop <laughs> for some reason. yeah exactly for you, for your sake, I, yeah. And I, for me, the AFC East, they all had decent drafts, and if those guys continue developing their teams, as Tom Brady and Belichick finish out their careers and there's that transition period where the Patriots kind of go, how do they adjust as those other teams are starting to try to ascend up the ranks there and really try to dethrone them? Do the Patriots kind of stay on top? Or do they kind of fall off a little bit and, and come back down to earth as the Brady Belichick era goes away? Well, we shall see. Those are the questions leading into uh, the draft. And for more info, um, make sure because Fred's going to give his top 10 prospects for the 2020 draft. He's going to do that on the war room. So make sure. You check out the latest episode of The War Room. Uh, That's also at warroomsports.com. You can catch this show, and from here on in, you can catch archive episodes of this show um, on warroomsports.com as well. You can go there. There's two places. You can go to the middle of the page and and look at the War Room Sports Podcast Network uh, information, or you can click the War Room Sports Podcast Network tab at the top of the page. So this has been our 2019 draft NFL draft recap. This has been another episode of your favorite NFL show cover two with McMillan and Purdue for my man, Purdue. I'm the one they call McMillan. Like we always tell you guys at the end of a broadcast, don't accept mediocrity talking to you, New York giants and be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. Peace. Going up to LaFell. Touchdown. The big screen. Center. Over the middle. Touchdown. Play action. Cutting the wide open. Sonsenbacher. War Room Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it.